She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast. Episode 5. The Jersey Devil. All right, episode 5. All right. Yeah, it's kind of strange, though, because this is our third week of doing episodes, right? Because we put three out the first day, and then we did last episode, and we're on this episode. But we're recording this before we've even released our first episode. So it's kind of weird because we're kind of learning how we're doing things and we're kind of changing things up a little bit here behind the scenes on how we're doing some stuff, but we haven't actually got any feedback yet. So yeah, it is. And I think, I mean, we're definitely learning the process and how we want to do this and like adding stuff, taking stuff away. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how that changes when we do start getting feedback from people. Yeah. I'll probably have to talk less. (laughs) I think it'll be okay. But yeah, it's exciting. So this is our fifth episode. Yeah. And uh, what is this fifth episode? Uh, This episode is The Jersey Devil. It was written by Chris Carter and directed by Joe Napolitano. I was unable to find any production dates for when this was filmed, but it was filmed in Vancouver and in the Lower Seymour Conservation Reserve, which is outside of North Vancouver. The original air date was Friday, October 8th, 1993. And it had a viewership of 10.4 million in the United States, which is up 1.2 million from Conduit, but still below episodes one through three. So what is this actually about? A body is found in the woods of New Jersey with a missing arm that appears to have been eaten off by human teeth. Mulder proposes it's the work of the infamous Jersey Devil. So Mulder and Scully go to Atlantic City to try and investigate, but the local cops do not want them there. So I mean, it could be aliens that were crashed in the woods. Uh, it could be if aliens have human teeth, which would be extremely creepy. Oh, <laughs> well, they're doing all that genetic testing all the time. So, you know, who knows? True. true. Yeah. I mean, we never see what's behind those little skinny lips. So Ooh, true. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. So we're outside Atlantic City, New Jersey in 1947. And there's a family driving a car. And they're singing in the car, and boom, there's a blowout. The dad has to get out to change the tire. And when he gets out, he drops his flashlight, and then he has to go get his flashlight. And then he comes back, and he's like, hey, baby, can you hold this flashlight for me? And as she turns around, boom, something grabs him. And he's like, oh. And then we see, like, feet being dragged through the woods. And she's like, whatever your name is, where are you? I can't remember what his name was. I want to say Howard, but that's probably not right. And then police find him the next day and his leg is gone and apparently was eaten off. And then they're all chasing something through the woods with their all 1947 guns and cop uniforms. And they go to a cave. They find something in there. They're like, oh, it's coming at us. And then they just open fire. And then we get the theme song. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, it was kind of weird because like, I didn't realize it was an old-timey car right away, and then when he pulled it out, I was like, wait, what is happening? When is this taking place? So that was kind of weird. It's kind of like Christmas Story gone wrong, like, you know, with having to change the tire. But Yeah. I have to say, though, those kids, either that dad is, like, the worst at changing a tire because it takes him, like, they stop, the kids are singing, the tire blows out, they're like, oh, my God, what was that? And he's like, oh, calm down, it's okay, I just got to change the tire. And then we cut to him, like, struggling to get the fender off. 
And then the kids are like fast asleep in the car. So either they've right. got like diabetes or something and need to get checked out. Or he's like really bad at changing a tire because it took a long time for them to pass out. Yeah, I'm getting the feeling that like he's out there for a while. It does seem like. But yeah, it was kind of weird. It was like, I don't know. It felt like a lot of time passed for him to just try and get this tire. Which I've never, I've changed the tire once to like learn how to do it. But I've never had to do it like on the side of the road. Yeah, well, well apparently on that car too, you have to like remove the fender to get to the tire, I'm guessing. Yeah. Just probably got those wheel covers. So, Old timey cars, man. Yeah. But then he like knocks the flashlight down like the ravine. And but you know, whatever. Good job, Dad. <laughs> so Well, you know, he did pay for it in the worst way. So I guess. probably regrets and, that a lot. Yeah, and God, I can't imagine like living back then and having to sing songs in the car. I would just go insane having to sing Bingo <laughs> was his name o the whole time you were driving. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyway. Not your idea of a fun road trip. <laughs> no, 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 no. So then we cut to modern day and Scully walks into Mulder's office. I can't tell if they like share an office. I don't know where her office is. But yeah, anyway. because yeah, because she's always just like they always like show her just walking like through the main office, like to check mm-hmm. in. And then the next thing you see, she like comes into Mulder's office. Yeah, it's like almost right. like she doesn't have her own office. Yeah. So I don't know if she has like a workspace or I don't know. Anyway, she should talk to HR about that and get her sexism. Own uh so she walks in and speaking of sexism, Mulder <laughs> he's like looking at this like girly mag. And like Panky magazine. He's staring at it and Scully's like, uh, excuse you. And like his door's wide open, I think. Yeah, and he's holding it sideways, so he's looking at like a centerfold. Right. And he's like, Oh yeah, this woman says she was abducted by aliens and she was like in anti-gravity for whatever. And Scully (laughs) looks at the photo and is like, Anti-gravity is right. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Which, yeah. Anyway, so then he puts the magazine aside. And Scully tells him about this body that was found in New Jersey of a homeless man with his arm and his shoulder missing. And it looks like, again, it was eaten off. Like, I guess there's human teeth marks or something. And so Mulder pulls out this X-File about a 1947 case. Oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, which is the guy with his leg that we saw trying to change a tire. And he thinks that it's connected to the infamous Jersey Devil, which is like... I guess from what Mulder says, some kind of Bigfoot-like cannibalistic monster that's said to roam the woods. Yeah. We'll get into that. Yeah. No, I definitely have (laughs) thoughts and feelings on that, too. Yeah. (laughs) So this is... I was thinking about this last episode, and I didn't really mention it, but given, like, the time stamping we're getting for episodes, Scully and Mulder have been working together, like, for 18 months at this point. Yeah. Because last episode, we had dates of August 1993. The pilot, though, took place in March of 92, even though it was mm-hmm. filmed in March of 93, which I think maybe they were just trying to make it seem like, you know, in the past kind of thing. So maybe that was just a mistake on their part. Maybe they shouldn't have done that. But, yeah, it definitely seems like they haven't been working together for 18 months, though. But it seems kind of weird because Scully is, like, now bringing him X-Files, basically, and then getting upset when he wants to go investigate them. Like, yeah, oh, was hey, gonna... <laughs> hey, yeah, it's like, hey, I found this interesting story. And then he's like, oh, let's go investigate. And she's like, are you crazy? Why would we want to investigate that? Well, then why did you bring it up? 
Yeah, I kind of was wondering the same thing. I put that in my notes, too. I'm like, Scully, don't tell him about the dead guy if you don't want him to do stuff about the dead guy. I yeah. think she probably thinks, like, it's interesting and it's kind of weird. So it's up Mulder's alley. And she's, you know, this is her coworker. She's trying to connect with him. And so she's like, check out this funky story I heard. Yeah, it's almost like she's just, <laughs> like, yeah, like she's trying to make conversation and like, oh, he's into this kind of stuff. Yeah. Which, which is, again, why it kind of ties into the fact that, like, it does not seem like they've been working together for a year and a half yet. Yeah, I so. think maybe the pilot was one of those things where, like, we should make this seem like it happened a while ago, and then yeah, they change their mind or Whereas something. Whereas <laughs> now they just seem to use whatever date it is that they're actually filming for right. dates in the episodes. So, yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, just hashtag not my Jersey Devil. Right. So. We'll, we'll definitely get into that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so they head to the coroner's office in Atlantic City. So apparently... They got the okay to go to Atlantic City, which is like three or four hours away. And they're talking to the medical examiner over the body of Roger Crockett, who was the homeless man who was eaten by someone. And she's definitely like, it was definitely like a large adult male, uh, or at least a large adult human. And I buried the lead there. And that there's like impressions on the clavicle. And that's definitely like teeth marks. Right. And so Mulder's kind of looking at the dude's toe tag and getting some information about him. That's where we get his name. And also the date that he died, which is August 29th of 1993. At least that's a date on his tag. We don't know if that's the date he died, but that's the date on the tag. Right. So maybe I, that's the date yeah, he was found. Or... Yeah. I don't know how they do that. Yeah. I don't um, and then Detective Thompson bursts in and tells him to basically get out of his case and leave. And Scully's like, okay and Mulder's like nah we're just trying to help and he's like no get out of here and so they end up leaving and he's like the dude's grouchy and old and yeah he's just yeah but so they leave and Scully thinks it's not really much of a case and she's gonna head home because she's got to go to her godson's birthday party so apparently uh Scully is catholic guessing or at least catholic adjacent and but Mulder's like nah and he like throws her the keys across the hood and it's like I'm gonna stay and she gets really upset that she has to drive back and it's like three hours to back to DC and it's and she notes that it's a Friday night so right and Friday traffic I don't know about where you live but in the Seattle area Friday traffic is like notoriously the worst like yeah it is awful <laughs> although it does seem weird because I get like you know, she's used to Mulder driving all the time and now she has to drive. So it's like, oh shit, I can't just sit here and do nothing. But, and then it is a three hour trip, but like she didn't complain about it being a three hour trip to get there. But I like, think maybe she's annoyed because like he's, he's staying behind and like there's nothing, for, like the cops don't want them there. Like, yes, it's a weird murder and yes, it's, it needs to be solved, but there's nothing like, I mean, she's not thinking a monster in the woods. <laughs> Yeah. And so I think she's just irritated that he's like staying behind and now she has to drive by herself all the way back to DC. And then like, what's Mulder going to do? Yeah. Well, we know we're going to find out what Mulder's going to do. Yeah. But yeah, it just seems weird because like, I would think like traffic on a Friday night would actually be going into Atlantic city and coming out of DC and she's going to oh. go in the opposite direction. Yeah, true. But, That's a good point. But it is, I mean, I looked it up because my geography is not my strong suit and like the East coast is crazy when you think about how close everything is. But according to Google, like in 2020, it's like a th on a Friday night, it'd be about a three to four hour trip. But you almost go through Philadelphia. You just don't cross the Delaware River into Pennsylvania, actually. Uh, you go through Wilmington, Delaware. You go through Newark, New Jersey. You go through Baltimore. And then you get to D.C. 
So it's kind of crazy, like how close all that yeah. stuff is when you think about it. Yeah. So you're probably it. going through like a lot of just city rush hour traffic, regardless, yeah. which is going in all directions. So it probably is a pretty frustrating drive. Yeah, because that when you're getting that that first stop is like the getting close to Philadelphia, coming out of Atlantic City, and like I said, you don't actually cross the river into Pennsylvania, but like you're in like the, I guess kind of like how Portland and Vancouver, Washington. Like mm-hmm. Vancouver, Washington is kind of a suburb of Portland, even though it's in a different state and across the Columbia River. Yeah. It seems like there's the same thing going on with Philadelphia and the Delaware River. So you're basically going through like a whole nother city that's basically like a suburb of Pennsylvania. So, yeah, it's just in, I thought it was interesting. Like, damn, you're really hitting like a, some name cities there <laughs> going from Atlantic City to D.C. But Yeah, it's going to be a drive. <laughs> Scully doesn't want to do it. <laughs> I, think uh, she's the, I think she just doesn't want to have to drive. She's used to not driving. Possibly. Yeah, that's yeah. that's also possible. Although she is mad at, well, we'll get to it, but she's a little annoyed at him. So I think there's some of that going on too. But anyway, we get some gambling montage shots and we see Mulder in a casino and he is at a phone booth or like a phone stall in the casino. And he's looking up a phone book and he looks up park services in New Jersey. And then it just cuts to the woods and we see Mulder meeting with a park ranger whose name we'll learn is Peter Brulier. And the park ranger kind of tells him about some weird stuff he's found. He's found like human scat that's been buried. He's found a half-eaten rabbit with a human cuspid stuck in it. Some deer bones that have been shaped into tools. And he says most of the homeless population, they're just scared of the woods. So they don't like try and camp in there because they just, they're too afraid. Yeah, and he says, like, he doesn't go into the woods anymore unless he's armed. Right. So, so everyone's afraid. It's not. Yeah, so he says, he says he hasn't seen it recently, <laughs> but he kind of has a, he feels it. Right. So. And then Mulder decides, he finds out it's like a, about a mile walk back into town. So he's just going to walk back into town and kind of see what he sees while he walks, I guess. Yeah. So I was, I don't know, I don't recognize this guy who plays the park ranger at all. And I didn't actually go and look him up or anything like that but I was really impressed with him in this episode, especially like this scene right here with Mulder when he's talking, because mm-hmm. like at first he doesn't really want to say anything. And then he slowly starts opening up about things he's seen. And then he kind of, he kind of hesitates back and then he kind of opens up a little bit more and like his mannerisms. And like, sometimes when he's getting ready to talk, he kind of like his mouth kind of moves before he starts to talk. Like he's thinking, but like, you no, know, not, voicing anything and like if those aren't the actors actual mannerisms he is a freaking genius at being an actor because i just thought it was real it also really reminded me of i took me a while to figure out who because he really reminded me of someone it's we have a neighbor that talks exactly like that oh wow he's like an older guy and he kind of has those same kind of mannerisms and like the way, like the way his voice, you know, kind of lilts and goes. And it was just like, I find it took me a while to figure out who it was. And I found like, Oh, that's Ed. Okay. Yeah. So, but I thought the guy did a really, I was really, and like later in the episode too, I think he does a really good job. Yeah. I didn't get his name of course, cause I'm trash, but <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I looked, I looked at the names and then I just didn't make a note of any of them. So I don't no. know his name either, but yeah, I mean, I could look I it up look. now while we're talking, but eh. <laughs> yeah. So Scully is at her godson's party, which, Oh man, that would, yeah, I'm, I don't have kids and I don't want kids because <laughs> screw that noise. Anyway, and her friend is trying to set her up. Well, her friend is like, oh, you, you're great with kids. And Scully's like, yeah, no. And she's like, but you went through FBI training. That would be perfect. You'd be the perfect mom. So I'm not sure what's going on there. 
But like she says, like, oh, what about that cute guy you work with? And at first, Scully says, like, he's a nut. And then it's like, no, he's not a nut. He's no, just- she says he's a jerk. Oh, he says he's a jerk. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that's why I think yeah. she's kind of annoyed at him because she's okay. like, he's a jerk. I knew she then- said something like disparaging, <laughs> but then like retracted it. It was a jerk. Okay. Yeah. Not a nut. And then okay. she's like, no, he's not a jerk. He's just dedicated to his work. So, yeah. And then so like the kids are running around in like gorilla masks and blowing horns and the dogs eating the birthday cake. Oh, that was so gross. That was so <laughs> gross. I was like, and you know, I share food with my cat sometimes, so I have no room to talk, but yeah. I was definitely like super grossed out by yeah. that. And it's just Scully and this kid's like her godson's mom, I'm assuming. And there's like, there's gotta be like a dozen kids at this freaking party. <laughs> And it's like, dude, all these parents just like bailed, like dropped off their kids and ran away so they didn't have to deal with their kids anymore. But I like, mean, yeah, have you re- ever been to a kid's party? Of course they bailed. Oh my God. But yeah, I guess her godson, like in wearing a gorilla mask, couldn't see. And so he ran into the wall and banged his head. And so they're, you know, feeling with that. And then one of the kids' dad shows up and her Scully's friend is all like giving her the eye and like mouths. He's talking on the phone and she's like, divorced. And then. Scully kind of looks all demure and the guy looks at her and smiles and then it's like, Oh dear. But anyway, then we cut back to Mulder. He's like Mm -hmm. walking that path out of the woods and he's maybe being seen by someone besides the cameraman. We're not sure. But then the woods apparently open up right into the bad side of town. Like it's just like path through the woods, boom street and like rundown buildings with trash everywhere and abandoned cars and dudes standing around trash can fires and there's homeless people everywhere. And then he walks past the mercy mission shelter and is calling out like, does anyone know Roger Crockett? He was murdered. And some guy kind of comes up to him. was like, yeah, I, I knew him. You know, did you hear what happened? He's like, yeah, I know. He's like, well, do you do anything? And the guy's like, all right, come with me. So they Mulder follows him down an alley and the guy's like, I need some money. And so Mulder gives him some money and the dude goes into what we're, it's like where he stays, right? Like in the alley and he's rummaging through his stuff and he pulls out this picture that is a hand drawn picture of what looks like a naked dude with long hair. It's like a hairless Bigfoot basically. Yeah. And he, he says he found it in the pocket of a coat that he found. And then Mulder's like, well, do you believe it? And he's like, I've seen it. And I saw it digging through the dumpster. And he's like, where? And it's like right here. And so the Mulder's like, well, where are you staying tonight? And the guy's like, you're standing in my living room. So Mulder's like, okay, I tell you what. And pulls out his hotel key and is like, you know where this is at? And the guy's like, yeah. Does it have HBO? And Mulder's like, yeah, I think it does. And so he gives him <laughs> the key. And the dude's all happy. He's going to go watch HBO and hang out in the motel. And then Mulder, like, hunkers down in the dude's little, you know, where he's staying with his blanket and everything and to see if the creature returns. Yep. So, so his... His super fun stakeout on the sidewalk. Yeah. <laughs> sidewalk stakeout. Yeah. So what happens? So um, sometime in the night, Mulder spots a creature sneaking up to the dumpster and or something sneaking up. He doesn't really know what it is or who it is. And he gives chase and he like whatever he's chasing moves like a cat is really quick and actually manages to get like up on the roof of a building. And so Mulder kind of ends up down on the street and he can see this thing kind of in the shadow up on top of this building, but he can't really make out anything. And then the cops show up because they're jerks and they're sweeping the area and probably arresting all the poor homeless people because they're sleeping and 
cops are jerks like that. And, <laughs> and, um, well, we kind of have to assume that maybe they're also like trying to figure out what's going on with the murder since it was a homeless person who got murdered. I don't know. Yeah. So, maybe that, well, right, yeah, maybe their idea of lots of awful yeah. homeless camp yeah. sweeping. So, it's right. just something like, for me. It's but also, like, maybe oh. there's like, whoa, homeless people won't get killed if they're not on the streets. Yeah. So, they are, they're sweeping the area and they are probably also looking for the murderer. And they basically shine their lights on Mulder. And Mulder keeps saying there's something on top of the building. And they're like, kind of looking at him like he's drunk. And they, you know, he's obviously not, but they grab him and arrest him. Yeah. Which I'm thinking, can they? I mean, he's an FBI agent. Yeah. I don't know why he doesn't just flash his badge and say, like, I'm an FBI agent. I'm chasing a suspect. Suspects on top of the building. Like, that seems like the best course of action, but maybe, like, they don't give him the chance and he doesn't want to, like, reach into his pocket. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Because then later he's in the interrogation room. Right. And it's apparently at least like if it's not full on morning, it's like super early morning because Detective Thompson comes in and complains about ruining his like early morning fishing trip or something. It was like 3 a.m. I said he said. OK. Like he was, oh, was it? OK. Up. Yeah. Yeah. And they have a discussion. Mulder saying he's trying to cover it up. Thompson's like, get out of town. You're stopping this investigation. You're endangering people by involving yourself. Mulder's like, no, you just are trying to bury this because if tourists find out, like, what's going to ha- what's going to happen when a tourist gets killed? What are you going to do then? And Detective Thompson is basically just like, he's done. He's like, okay, well, enjoy the rest of your weekend and leaves. So there's some, I'm not sure if Mulder actually is there the whole weekend. Yeah, I don't know exactly, because we know they got there on Friday night, so it would have been Saturday morning when he was arrested. Right, but then we, <laughs> but then he does call Scully some morning. Yeah, so she's in the office. She's walking through the office at the FBI. It might be, it might be Sunday. I mean, maybe she works on. Who knows? Maybe she works on. Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously the FBI works like not just Monday through Friday. Right. It does seem really busy though for like all the off, like just the regular like reception people to be there for a Saturday or a Sunday. But I don't know. Yeah, it's it's weird. There's no clarification <laughs> of what day has happened, but if she does have a date that night later, which we'll get to. That's some fast action. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's not that fast. Like, if someone asks you out and you're like, what are you doing tomorrow night, you know? Okay. I think that makes sense. Yeah, so we don't um, know how long Mulder's been, if it was one night, if it was two nights, if it was the whole weekend. But anyway. Yeah. So Scully gets a call from Mulder, and she's like, where are you? And he's like, I'm in Atlantic City. And she, she is surprised he's still there, so it might be Monday morning. Well, she asked him what that noise is. Right, because someone's throwing up, and he's like, Because he's basically, in a drunk tank. Yeah. Yeah. And then she even, like, exclaims, drunk tank. And, like, this guy behind her, like, whips his head around and is like, what's happening? And she kind of quiets down. She's like, "Mm." So she drives up to New Jersey to get him out of jail, I guess, and then takes him to breakfast where he eats, like, a giant plate of breakfast Mm -hmm. and talks about what he saw and expounds on his theory about, like, the Jersey Devil and how it's some kind of historical aberration, like some kind of Neanderthal or primate that like evolved alongside humans or from humans. And Mulder wants to stick around and kind of find out where this thing is and like what's going on. But Scully's like, I can't. I have to be back. I have a date tonight. Yep. Well, I think he's like, oh, you have another birthday party? She's like, no, I have a date. Right. So on the way to go back to D.C., 
Scully takes him to go see, I'm guessing her form, one of her former professors, mm-hmm. Dr. Dr. Diamond, and he's an anthropology professor. And they talk about humanity's journey across the continents and evolution and the fact that every culture has had a wild man myth, you know, the Bigfoot, Yetis, all that kind of stuff. And Mulder asks about the possibility of a separate cannibalistic primate who might exist in the woods. And they kind of talk about that for a little bit. And he's like, you know, about the apex predators and how humans are the apex predator. And Mulder's like, well, what if, you know, and he even brings up like, well, what about, you know, feral humans and like if they could survive this kind of thing. And what I thought was funny about this was that Scully obviously took Mulder to see this guy to like dissuade him from following this path of inquiry. And then Mulder ends up getting the guy on his side and he's like, I'll tag along and help you guys basically is what happens. I know. (laughs) I know. And I also, so like, I thought this was kind of interesting, but also like, I feel like this is where the episode really starts to go off the rails because like, it kind of suggests like different, and obviously like it's a show. It's supposed to suggest different possibilities, but well, I mean, I'll talk about it more when we get to the end, but just like the idea that like, this is just a thing that's evolved and been here. It's like the Loch Ness theory, like this thing that's just been here for millions of years and we just haven't noticed. And like all the indigenous people who lived in North America, like for hundreds and thousands of years, like never either came in contact with this species or never. I mean, maybe they did and we just don't know. Well, I mean, I there just, are, well, I mean, there are, you know, there are native myths about. Yeah, those there are. So. Yeah, and there are also myths about, like, Bigfoot and Yeti and, like, so I get it. But it just, I don't know, it felt like it was kind of going in several directions. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, Mulder's theory is definitely thinking that it's like a a Neanderthal that somehow survived in the New Jersey woods for, like, thousands of years. Yeah, that's his theory, yeah. But then there also is a suggestion of maybe it's just, like, some people who ended up in the woods and have gone feral, basically. Yeah, or... For one reason or another, so... Yeah, or some kind of other, like subspecies or something yeah some kind of like ape that's like a human eating thing i don't know (laughs) yeah but shout out to dr diamond because he is performed by gregory sierra who i personally know well i don't i don't i don't personally know him but like from like (laughs) growing up watching like sanford and son and barney miller and then he basically like guest starred on every single television series like in the 1980s and the early 90s. Yeah. And I, I, again, I think he does a really good job in this role. Yeah. And he was, he did look super familiar. He was one of those faces where you're like, I've seen that guy a billion times. Yeah. And he apparently was also the original captain guy in Miami Vice, like Crockett and Tubbs. He was like their like commander. Oh, cool. But then he asked to be written out of the show, like after like four episodes. Huh. I wonder why. Yeah. I didn't actually get a detail. There may have been a reason why. I forget, but yeah, so he got, yeah, he just, he's asked, to, maybe he just didn't want to be doing like a regular series anymore, or maybe he didn't feel, you know, I mean, maybe the show's premise wasn't something he agreed with, even though he played a cop in Barney Miller. Right. That, that was, that was more of a comedy thing, whereas, you know, Mommy Vice was definitely more into like the drug stuff, and maybe he didn't feel that that was, you know, something he wanted to be involved with, so. Yeah, yeah, I just thought it, I just thought it was funny that Scully was like, "I'm going to take you to see my professor so he can talk some sense into you," <laughs> and he basically like gets on Mulder's side and is like, mm, "This yeah. is very interesting. We need to see if we can capture this alive and find out what's going on." <laughs> yeah, that was definitely not. It didn't quite work out how she planned. <laughs> yeah. So they get back to DC. Mulder's like in his office looking at photos. I'm not exactly. I forget what they were, but they were like of the woods and. They were like some footprints, and then like throwback he's looking at like a bigfoot with breasts 
Okay. So he's looking at boobs again, basically. Mulder, <laughs> uh... you're at the office. <laughs> you're at the office, buddy. Hey, it's All work. Right. It's work related, okay? <laughs> so Scully's on her date with that father of her godson's friend. And uh, she's wearing this like super late 80s. Like I know it's early 90s, but the outfit is like this lacy white top or dress and it's got like these like puffy sleeves and yeah i thought it was a full dress but then later when she gets up she's wearing like a black skirt with it okay so, so it's like a yeah. blouse but yeah, yeah it was very of of the time yeah and her hair's <laughs> all up and everything yeah she, she does is, look pretty but yeah, yeah she is very... like really dressed up for this date yes yeah although she probably doesn't date a lot so i'm sure why not get all dressed yeah. up i guess uh and she gets a page for molder which pagers <laughs> haven't thought about those in a long time i guess some people still have them but so she gets a page and Mulder got a call from the park ranger up in new jersey letting him know that they found the body of a male that was missing a tooth and it's the same tooth that he found in that rabbit and this body has been dead for about six or seven months so Mulder and scully apparently she leaves her date and they go up to atlantic city and they get to the coroner's office and the coroner has no record of the body. She has no note about the body. There's no intake form. And she has no idea where this body would have been sent. Yeah, and the park ranger's like, like totally like, but I told them and they came and got it. Where would they take it? Right. So like it's been taken somewhere. She doesn't have it. She doesn't know where it is. And since this body was male and has been dead for six or seven months, like this, is, and Dr. Diamond is with them. So it's Dr. Mm-hmm. Diamond, Mulder Scully. And so Dr. Diamond and Mulder are like, well, if this was the male, there's probably a mate. And so that's probably the one Mulder saw near the dumpster. And they decide to track her down. Yep. Yeah. So we got the crew together. We got Mulder, Scully, Park Ranger, and Dr. Diamond. Park Ranger Pete. <laughs> yep. Park and Ranger Dr. Pete. Diamond. Yep. Yeah. So that's their plan. They're going to they're gonna find her. I thought it was funny when she gets the page from Mulder. And she's like, oh, excuse me. I have to take this. And he's like, okay, fine. Yeah. And she's like smiling and everything. And then she was talking with Mulder on the phone and he's like, Scully, I'm sorry to bother you for your dinner. And she's like, Oh, it's fine. Like, and rolls her eyes. And it's like, dude, she's, um, it's like, like, like she's done with this date. It seems oh yeah. Like. It seems like she was having a good time, but like on the phone, it seems like she was just like, yeah, thanks for saving me. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so they decide they're going to track it down. Like you said, and Park Ranger Pete has a tranquilizer rifle, so a rifle with a tranquilizer dart in it, and they're going to head to that warehouse where Mulder saw the creature and see if they can find her. And while they're in the warehouse looking for the creature, like the police roll up and they're like, what's this park ranger truck doing here? Because, yeah, I mean, like the woods and like right across the street, so it's going to be really weird for the park ranger truck to be there. But anyway, so then apparently they call in the SWAT team or maybe the MPs from Ellen's Air Force Base in Idaho because they're wearing the exact same uniforms. And they start sweeping the building looking for Mulder. And then Detective Thompson shows up, finds Park Ranger Pete and Dr. Diamond, and is like, I'm looking for Mulder. You guys know anybody named Mulder? And they're like, no, I have no idea who you're talking about because Mulder and Scully are up high. And then before that, Dr. Diamond had found some fur with some blood on it. And so they're like, oh, this is probably definitely the place, but then like the cops burst in. So. Right. Yeah. It was, I'm pretty sure like the cops must have known. They must have heard from like the coroner. Like they must know that Mulder and Scully are around and they're looking for them. Yeah. And they must know they're with the park ranger, but it was kind of weird how like they just found yeah. them. And- it just seems like detective Thompson is putting way more effort into like 
getting Mulder than he is on like finding out who's killing people. In yeah. <laughs> Like there's no, some vendetta actually going on. <laughs> yeah, 100%. No, he's yeah. that is all his energy and time. Yeah. So while they're like running from the cops, Mulder and Scully, like I can't remember when they exactly they leap out of the window, but at some point Mulder is in a dark room and he has like the the woman is there, like the creature, the woman, whatever, um, whoever she is. And it's so hard to talk about because, like, I don't want to dehumanize her because she's very human, but, like, they're acting like she's this monster. Anyway, we'll get to that. But anyway, so she's there and, like, she's, like, standing over Mulder and he's, like, kind of, hey, hey, it's okay, like, trying to talk to her. And she does. At first, he's really really confused and kind of dazed about what's going on a little bit, like, because she's, like, looking over him and he's kind of, like, you know, I guess he's just trying to gauge the situation and find out what's going on. Yeah. And so then she is kind of, like, just curious it seems like but then he does something and she doesn't like it so she like attacks and swipe at him yeah she takes like a swipe at him and scully comes running with her gun to save the day and the woman runs off yeah so i think because they were trying to get away from the swat team as well as find the woman slash creature whatever like Mulder sees her like he's looking out a window Mulder sees a lot of stuff from up in windows right yeah he does so he's looking down and he sees her running on a lower roof so he like jumps off the window to go after her. Right. And That's then, when he leaves. Yes. Yeah. And then Scully's looking for Mulder and she sees Mulder down on the roof running after something. And then the SWAT team like bursts in. So she, that's why. And then she jumps out the window <laughs> to go after, go after Mulder <laughs> right. and also probably get away from the SWAT team. But that scene with the woman and Mulder, it was very Name of the Rose for me. I don't know if you've seen Name of the Rose. I have not. No. Okay. There's a scene in the Name of the Rose, which is very similar to this and then and i think name of the rose came out in 86 i think i'd have to double check that but that scene was very similar to me just the way the the two characters are interacting like not knowing really what's going on so okay but yeah and Mulder's like you know like scully's like you're hurt and he's like she was so beautiful like he's completely like <laughs> yeah. captivated so anyway. also very name of the rose so <laughs> But um, yeah, so Mulder's, so the, then we cut to the next scene and Mulder's outside. He's being treated, he's like sitting in the back of an ambulance with his like shirt and jacket and tie off and just like his t-shirt and he's got a big gash in his side. So they're putting bandages on it and Scully's on the phone, like pacing back and forth with like the bureau trying to get like approval to work on the case because I guess the district attorney of New Jersey is calling the bureau and complaining because Mulder's interfering and they're trying to work the case, but they're also trying to do this. And then Pete comes up and is like, the cops say they have the woman cornered in a building. So the four of them try to run off to go get her, but they get stopped. They can't do anything. Mulder's like, please, please take her alive. But then I guess the woman dives out the window. And because there's woods basically right next to civilization in Atlantic city, she jumps out the window and goes into the woods. Yeah. Which I think like, I mean, I grew up in a city that's right next to the woods. So that to me isn't super weird. Cause you could walk like three steps from my high school and be in a national forest. Like, Okay. That was totally normal to me. So that doesn't feel super odd, but I could see how it would be jarring if you're not like, and I don't know how yeah. New Jersey really is. I just know like in yeah. Lake Tahoe, everything is like literally butting up against the woods. It just and- feels weird. Cause that's like basically like the industrial part of town. Yeah. And it's like, and then it's like, boom woods. I know it so. is kind of weirdly placed, but mm. <laughs> geography. <laughs> 
So our team tracks down the woman and they're basically trying to race the cops like to find her first because they know that they'll take her alive. Obviously the cops don't seem that interested in that. So they end up like crossing this bridge and they see her running along these rocks by the river and park ranger Pete like has a good shot. So he like shoots her with a dart to try and get her to like, you know, to make her unconscious so they can go grab her. And she feels the dart, grabs it, rips it out, and just keeps running. And so they chase, but, like, the cops also get on her trail, and unfortunately the cops get to her first. And so they hear gunshots, and when they arrive, um, the woman is dead. She had been trying to, like, bury herself with leaves to, like, hide, because she knew probably that she was going to go unconscious. And Mulder... And they filmed from behind, and they had to cover her butt crack yeah. for sensitive television viewers, yeah so. and Mulder's <laughs> super furious that they've killed her like he's absolutely yeah and detective thompson is like because Mulder's like why did you have to kill her and he's like the same reason you what do you say what do you say you kill a rabid animal or something yeah the same reason you kill a rabid animal which what i don't know what words we can yeah. use on this podcast but i use some very choice words in my <laughs> notes because like what a horrible horrible person like yeah yeah, we're trying to stick with the non-explicit tag. Um, <laughs> I caught myself a couple times in the last couple episodes. I'm trying to do better because yeah. I basically drop F-bombs like when I breathe in real life. But yes. Yeah, but when he so. said that about like the same reason you kill a rabid animal, I was just like, like my jaw dropped. Like I was actively angry at this person <laughs> who is fictional. Yeah. yeah, the like trying to cover herself with leaves to hide. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's 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 no pun intended. It's a cover story for the fact that they can't show naked people on TV. And apparently there's this whole thing where, because I guess where they, where they filmed, the woods where they filmed this, apparently like a 90 minute trip from where they filmed the city scene. So like in the, in the story, the woods are like right on the edge of the city. But like in real life, they had to like drive to where they would film. And like you could only get there like with heavy, big, heavy trucks and all that kind of stuff. But um, like apparently they had they made a nude suit for the person mm-hmm. because, because it was like a publicly accessible area. And so they couldn't just have like a naked, and, and on a side, maybe from personal modesty or whatever. I don't know. You know well, they had her running around naked, like that. in the city scenes, but it was just, because- yeah, apparently she went around. Yeah. She would go topless, but then the rest of her body was covered apparently with like, with like a nude suit. And then they had like the hair, you know, designed so that it would, position to cover her breasts right because it's like a public park and so they weren't allowed to have her running around naked in the park they did have her running around naked in the city scenes though like that was she was actually naked (laughs) they just used like lighting and like to not show things yeah well because in the city scenes you really and that's one of the differences where it kind of changes a little bit because in the city it's a lot more like like, like at first Mulder doesn't even know it's a woman, right? Because he only sees, and we only see like glimpses. We can't tell whether it's a, you know, a man or a woman or if they are actually supposed to be like a beast or whatever, right? right? We know, we can kind of tell it's like a naked humanoid, but we don't know any other details. Whereas at the end, we get like full body shots, basically. If her like walking on rocks near a stream, when she gets shot with a tranquilizer dart, and then when she gets killed, she's obviously, you can tell like there's some leaves covering her buttocks, so you don't see, you know. And then she's laying, obviously, face down. So, you know, breasts are covered and what have you. But, like, there was, like, no... For someone who got gunned down by police, she had some blood on her hand, like, in between her fingers. But that almost seemed more like it would be, like, if you put your hand on something that was bleeding. 
So maybe that was from when like she attacked Mulder or like when they go to find her after she'd been shot and killed, like one of the cops is laying there, his shoulders all bloody. He was like, Oh, she almost tore my arm. Right. So, but but her fingernails were pretty well manicured. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about that. I have, I have many (laughs) thoughts and feelings this episode. Yeah. Lots of thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. So a week later, Scully arrives at work and she has the postmortem on the woman. She bring it to Mulder. And they found fragments of human bone in her digestive tract, just like the case that Mulder had talked about in 1947. And they figured she was somewhere between about ages 25 to 30. Dr. Diamond was able to look at her body and from examination, he like she's just like a human. There was no sign of like prehistoric bone structure or any kind of like you know skeletal or musculature like anomalies. And so she's been listed as a Jane Doe. And Lenox City PD is like looking for like missing persons and escape mental patients. And Mulder's like, yeah, good luck with that. But then Scully also has the exam from the male body, so they must have found it after it disappeared. And we're able to do an exam on it. Also. Yeah, or they just decided the case is closed, so we don't have to like hide this from the FBI because they're going to stop bugging us anyway because it's over. Maybe, yeah. So it turned out he was about forty years old, and then that's all. That's really all the details we get is that he was about forty years old. We have no idea like why he died, how he died. Maybe just from exposure or from like living in the woods. Probably a rough life, right? Um, but then Mulder's like, well, if it was a man and a woman, there's probably going to be offspring. And Scully says, well, the exam does show that the woman may have given birth. So I would think you would actually be able to really tell that and not have a may have, but I don't. I think know, it's, it can uh, be hard to tell. Stuff, so. Like, I think that's one of the things where like there can be signs. Cause I know there have been like historical cases where like the autopsy, they, they couldn't tell for sure if this person had given birth, there are just signs that they may have. And so I think okay. that's one of those well, things that's kind of Because it's a fresh body, so I'm thinking they would have had yeah, you know, as opposed to finding like a decomposed body. Yeah, I think that's sure. just one of those things but, where like it might look like it, but it can be hard to tell depending on. But you're right, it is a fresh body. It's not like she's only bone or anything, but I do right, think and, it's hard And it to would tell. have been like a totally natural birth, too. So I would, uh, in my thinking, I think you'd be able to tell, right. but then again, I'm not, I'm not a medical I am not manager. either. I've only read like the entire Temperance Brennan series, so I pretend I'm like a forensic anthropologist, but I really don't okay. know anything. So. <laughs> okay. so basically, Mulder's like, okay, well, I'm going to go see this ethnobiologist and we're going to talk about this woman. And Scully like kind of begs Mulder to take a day off. Like clearly this is a person who works like 10, 12 hours a day. Like he's at the office all the time. He's always there. He's always working. And so she's like, you need to take a day off, Mulder. Take a day for yourself. And he just like, he will not. He's like, nope, I'm going to go do my thing. And then someone calls the office and Mulder picks up, but it's for Scully. And he kind of walks out and Scully picks up the phone and it's the guy she was on a date with. And he's like, I have tickets for Cirque du Soleil or something. (laughs) We should take the kids. Like, you should take your godson and we'll, we'll go see it. And yeah. <laughs> and then it kind of cuts to Mulder trying to requisition a car from the FBI so he can go to see this ethnobiologist. And I was just like, kind of surprised that Mulder doesn't have a car, but then he does. Like, I well, guess. Well, it's FBI business. So that way he doesn't have to like do a reimbursement form for like gas or something. Probably. Yeah, that's true. So he may have a car of his own and he just doesn't want to use it. Yeah. And Scully basically comes up to him and is like, where are you going? And he's like, ethnobiologist. And so Scully's like, oh yeah, he was asking for a second date, but I'm not going to go. I don't know if she tells Mulder that, but it's clear she's turned down this date. 
Mm-hmm. And then she, Mulder's like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm coming with you. So clearly, like, she's choosing her job over having a social night life right now. Or is she choosing Mulder over um, <laughs> I mean, I think at this point, you can make an argument either way. I think she's sort of choosing the job for now. But I do think she, you know, obviously likes and respects Mulder as a person. Yeah. And also, I mean, Rob has a kid. He's divorced, so he's damaged goods on top of that. And then, like, oh, get your godson, and we'll go on a date with the kids. It's like, yeah, no, I don't want to go on a date with kids. <laughs> what, what is wrong with you, person? Like, geez, be an adult. But, yeah. <laughs> but see, I don't have a problem with that. Like, I don't date and have no interest in dating. But if I did, like, I don't think that would bother me so much. More, I think it's more that she just is super not into the idea of that kind of life right now. Like mm-hmm. she's what, like 28, 29. Like, yeah, she, we figure she's about 28, 29. Yeah. yeah. So she's just like, she's got this career. I think she'd just rather do that. And I think she went on the date. Cause she was like, you're right, friend. I should try and see what's out there. And then while she was on the date, I think she realized like, this isn't really what I want. I want to be out there catching bad guys and solving things and solving mysteries. Yep. But yeah, so they leave to go to see the ethnobiologist, and then we cut to the woods, and there's some guy hiking with his son. So the son's like, oh, I think I saw something in the woods, Dad. And his dad goes, oh, no, I don't think you saw anything. Oh, by the way, my dad used to tell me a story about the Jersey Devil. (laughs) And then they walk past, and then we pan down, and we see this little feral girl pop out of the cave looking up at people. She's maybe like, what? what do you think, probably like six or seven? Yeah, I would say like seven or eight, six or seven. Yeah, yeah six, seven, I'm really bad four. with ages like that. I'm not good with kids' ages either because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I don't plus know. She, plus, she has like, you know, like TV dreads. So, yeah, kind of hard to tell because she's she's that TV dirty with, you know, hair with like twigs and stuff in it. So Right. Yeah. But then, boom, that's the end. Yep. So there's like a baby devil in the woods. Woo. Yeah. A baby devil. Ooh, I think you're casting judgment. Well, I mean, if you're going to assume that this woman was the Jersey Devil, quote unquote, which, uh, which that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> we're so, going to talk about that a lot because I had big issues with this. And I yeah. Think well, I, I think we could probably just sum it up in a couple sentences and maybe save the rest of the discussion for something else, possibly. But yeah, I mean, it's not the Jersey Devil that you and I know about the Jersey Devil. Right. And it's not like I'm an expert. I was just looking up what the Jersey Devil was. And like, there's all these stories about this monster that can like turn invisible and hunt livestock. And like, obviously, like, so at some point, it the has episode, wings, it has hooves, it may have a goat face or a ram's head. Yeah. It was supposedly the 13th son of Mrs. Leeds. So there's all this. Yeah. But it's, it has nothing to do with like a Bigfoot or a feral person or cannibalism. So, yeah, I'm not sure why they decided to use the name the Jersey Devil for this because no one in this universe apparently knows the real story of the Jersey Devil. Right. Which yeah. is fine. Like, I mean, there are certain you can if you're going to tell a monster story and you want to be like, "Well, we're going to show you a different side of this monster." Like, that's fine. And like Chris Carter even said that the idea of this episode was to make it less of a monster and try and show that there's like this missing link or something. 
But I, I don't feel like he achieved that. No, because we don't even get that. We basically get the idea that it's basically just like a tribe of feral people, possibly, because we've got a large naked man, a beast man, who was shot in 1947. And we've got a 40-year-old man who's found dead in early 1993. We've got a 25- to 30-year-old female who's killed in August of 1993. And then we've got maybe a 7-, 8-year-old girl so, like, what is, like, like what's the family relationship here going on? Right. Well, and it was kind of weird because, like, at some point, I think towards the end where they're talking about the autopsy or whatever, Mulder says something about, like, she was just trying to protect her kids. Like, the man died and she had mm-hmm. to go out and find food. And that's fine. But, like, I felt like it just, it, I felt like stuff didn't really line up. And, like, it was kind of like, are you trying to tell this story about this cannibalistic monster? Or are you trying to tell the story about, like, this group of, like, similar or, like, obviously at the end they're not even, like, Neanderthals or anything. It's just, like, they're just people who have been living yeah. in the woods. Like, like Mowgli and, or something, yeah. Yeah, and so, I don't know. I felt like they couldn't quite decide what they were doing, but, like... Well, and also the whole, like I said, the 1947 thing kind of overcomplicates it because if you think about it, it was like, okay, so they killed somebody in 1947 and then 45 years later, we've got a 40-year-old guy and a 25-year-old woman and then they have a kid. And it's like, what's the like familiar relationship between that? And it's like, they kind of just needed the 47 case so that Mulder could have an X-File to look at. Right. Is basically what they did, but it, it just it like overcomplicates it if you go if you think about right. it. Like well, what's so the, like is there a like whole how, group of these people or like yeah, how many yeah, exactly. are there? Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand what's happening. And so like is the 40-year-old male like the son of the one that was killed in 47? And then if so, like is the female like his sister or some woman that he like kidnapped? Or, like, a baby that was found? Like, who knows? Yeah, it's really... Yeah, I don't... mm, Yeah. Like, are they abandoning orphans by the edge of town near this mission? And they're just, like, being, like, taken into the woods and grow up? I mean, who knows? I mean, that could have actually been an interesting part of the story. Like, how are they doing that? So. Yeah, so it was weird. (laughs) And even, like, the use of the name the Jersey Devil, I think they could have maybe done something better with that. Because it could have been, like... You know, someone could have made a passing reference to, like, the myth of the Jersey Devil and then acknowledge that, like, this is not the same thing. But then you've, you've got that name established, so then you can use it, like, as the title, right? Right. Because there are, like, you know, phenomena around the Jersey Devil, but this has nothing to do with that, but it's just kind of like a, like a connection to, like, location. So, right. Yeah. And, then, and, I, and just... then I don't know why they had to make it Atlantic City other than, like... Maybe they couldn't, you know, they've been having trouble getting money to go to other states. So <laughs> it's at least at least close enough for them to drive. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we we have played around with the idea of maybe doing a a some separate episodes about like the real stories behind some of the stories. And so I think mm-hmm. this actually might be a good case for that. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's a lot of information. And I there's also like different creatures that are similar, like Wendigo. I don't know. I can't say that now. I've always heard as I've always said it Wendigo, but apparently it is like you space out the syllables closer to what you said. Yeah. Yeah. Like Wendigo. Wendigo. But like all my Wendigo information comes from Marvel Comics. So (laughs) it's okay. I think I first heard (laughs) the name in like supernatural or something. So it's not like (laughs) But like, you know, that like where it's like someone who has made like a pact with evil spirits and eats human flesh or something. Yeah. Like they didn't they went 
immediately to like the Bigfoot or like lost Neanderthal tribe thing and like <laughs> kind of skirted past all that. So I thought that was kind of weird, but yeah. And the path of the story too was kind of strange. Like you said, like Chris Carter wrote it and he was trying to do that, but like he originally like wrote it after hearing like an EO Wilson lecture on like ants. And so then he wrote it about like, humans like outpacing themselves and making themselves extinct and then he went from that to like uh like missing link thing and then like the missing link thing like that's kind of Mulder's theory but that isn't what pans out right well and i was gonna say when they go talk to dr diamond the first time there's a lot of talk about like the plague of humanity and how humanity like ruins everything and like yeah so maybe that's kind of that that original script that Chris and Carter so I think there. Maybe, yeah, I think maybe it's supposed to go back to like, look at these people living in the woods. They're just trying to survive, but also they're killing people and eating their limbs. So you can't be that sympathetic. Like, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. And we, get, and we get a lot of philosophical stuff between Scully and Mulder too. Like when they're looking for the woman in the warehouse talking about like, you know, 8 million years of evolution and da da da. And then we, we double back to that when they're leaving to go see the ethnobiologist because like she holds the door open for him and he talks she says something and he's like oh like i gotta watch out because women are gonna get me or something and she's no like, he doesn't say that i don't, he I says don't remember that, he says something about like eight million years of evolution and scully's like yeah and look who's holding the door yeah but what but what she what does she say to to bring that on i forget i don't remember but it was some comment about like I think yeah. she said something about how she wasn't going on the date or something. Cause I think he knew why that guy was, I don't remember. I'd have to watch it again. Yeah. We need to stop bringing up stuff that we don't remember. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, if we don't remember, we're not perfect people. And that's yeah. what this podcast is. We're just yeah. imperfect this, humans. This is podcast of not perfect people. Imperfect humans talking about a show that clearly is not perfect. <laughs> I love yeah. it. I love it so much, which I, sh- I want to say, I want to say that I really do love the X-Files. I really hated this episode. <laughs> oh, oh, I like, guess that's, that's right. We're doing the rating things now. Yeah, right? and I okay. really did not. I really did not like this episode. Like, I, I didn't enjoy it. I thought it was like too all over the place with what it was trying to do. And then I was just like bored at the end. I was like, come on, just get it over with. So, like, mm. not my favorite. Okay. So, what are you going to give it? I've been debating that. So like, it's not so bad that I would be like, oh, you should never watch it. Like it had some really funny parts. Like I thought the anti-gravity joke was funny. I thought the whole, like when he's giving the houseless person the key to the motel and he's just like, does it have HBO? I was like, this guy's got his priorities straight. Like that was funny. (laughs) And so it had some good moments and I liked the characterization of Scully, like deciding that she's just not into like the dating parent thing right now she wants to do her job instead that's more important so i think for character development reasons it's important but like (laughs) story-wise i probably won't ever watch it again i don't have much desire to sit through it a second time i did rewatch parts of it to write my my notes but like yeah so i'm gonna go with a three oh okay all right hmm what am i gonna do so I think like the story had potential. It just wasn't really, it wasn't given proper, whether that's Chris Carr's story or the director's choices or what I have no idea. Right. So, but then like the character, I mean, aside from the whole like Scully going on a date stuff, it's like, I don't know. It seems like they probably would have had trouble filling that time if they didn't put that in the episode. 
Yeah. They didn't but, have a lot to do. But it seemed almost like that could have just not. I mean, I get it. We need to make, you know, Scully needs to be a whole person. And then we also get the fact that, like, now she's kind of she's kind of making that decision of this is what she wants to do. She kind of did that with Squeeze, you know, because yeah. she, she could have, you know, she had opportunities there to to not follow Mulder, but she did. Um, if only because like he was right, but so <laughs> yeah. But then like the char- like the characters, like Doctor Diamond and Park Ranger Pete. I think those are really good, and like it was well shot. Some of the scene choices were iffy, like the the homeless area, the house, you know, where the where the, the houses people are living when the, with the mission. It was kind of like again, it was like it was like that TV dirty. It mm-hmm. was just like it was a set. I mean, it wasn't a set because they filmed it actually like on location in Vancouver but it's just kind of like it's that kind of like let's dirty it up to make it look like the bad part of town kind of stuff Mm -hmm. so and then the same thing with like you know the the creature had that that tv I'm dirty kind of action going on uh this is my way of just trying to stall to figure out what I'm gonna that's okay well you stall I there was something (laughs) I was gonna say and I forgot to say it so you can Leave okay, us well, in or not. But basically, um, oh gosh, I just lost my thought. What was it? It was, <laughs> we were talking about, oh, so what I was thinking, when I first saw Park Ranger Pete and he was like acting kind of shifty and afraid to talk, like I thought that could be somebody who's like afraid to admit they believe in this creature. Mm-hmm. Or it could be like a cannibalistic serial killer. And so I thought maybe they were going to go with, especially when they started talking about how like these could just be a Neanderthal tribe that evolved and they're just trying to survive. Like maybe there was going to be like an actual murderer and these poor like people living in the woods were like getting the blame for these murders. Oh, but yeah. I mean, obviously that didn't happen. <laughs> I so I just thought their, their message was kind of weird because like if it had been something else killing these people, I think and that kind of goes into what you talked about last time where like the murderer tends to give too much information. Yeah. And that would have been the kind of thing where he's like, he's like giving extra information when maybe he shouldn't be because. He's <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. anyway, that was just one place where I was like, they could have gone that way and that would have been kind of interesting, but they did not. So. Yeah, I felt bad because I liked Park Ranger Pete. I do too. He was and, really good. And, <laughs> and like Aaron and I talk about our neighbor and I mean, we don't make fun of him, but he's kind of, he's kind of like that neighbor, you know, the one who knows everything and is always like wanting to talk and like knows everything that every single neighbor is doing. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, he's, but he's totally a nice guy, but yeah, he's totally reminds me of park ranger Pete or park ranger Pete reminds me of him, but um, I'm going to go with, uh, I feel like I'm rating it too high, but then I don't want to go with a half again. <laughs> my last two episodes or my last three episodes, I think have been halves, right? The only yeah. one I didn't give a half to was the pilot. So I'm <laughs> trying to not do a half. So I'm probably going to give this, I'm probably going to be a little bit generous with this one and I'm going to give it a four. Okay. So yeah. yeah three, nice. seem, three seems a little, I don't know. Three, three is probably accurate. But yeah, I mean, three is just how I feel in terms of like, I just don't want it to be like, I gave deep throat a two and a half. <laughs> you don't want it to be too close to deep throat. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, the, the only, in my, in my opinion, the only redeeming qualities for deep throat were the fact that it introduces a character <laughs> that we know is going to come up later. Like if I right. had no, like if I had no knowledge that deep throat was going to be a recurring character at some point, I would probably have rated it like a one and a half or maybe even <laughs> like a one. So, yeah, so I'm going to go with, 
I'm gonna go with a three. I'm changing my mind. I'm gonna go with a three. So we're okay. both gonna get. We're both gonna give it a three. I mean that ending scene alone with the dad and the son and that. Ki- I was just like, no, no. Yeah, it was kind of. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of cheesy. Which cheesy yeah. is fine, but it just felt really like. Also, it was very like that's kind of a little kid to be living on their own in the woods. Right. So and then it, it's disturbing because then it's like, who's gonna take care of this kid? Is she gonna? Yeah, if it had been, and again, this kind of goes into, you know, maybe me being a dude, right? So I kind of had that built in, like, you know, the patriarchy kind of thing going on. But like, if it had been a male child who was maybe like 11 or 12 and was looking a little more, maybe not ferocious, but more like determined or maybe more like hungry, that could have been something maybe, but. The fact that it was just basically this little girl who's like all, oh, what are those people up there doing? It was like. Yeah. Well, and that goes back to like they're trying to show that these people are innocent and just trying to survive. But like, which I mean, I get it. Like humans are meat. We're made of meat. If you're starving, like that's fine. But it just felt really like disconnected from like the story they were telling. So it just it didn't work for me. Yeah. Especially because she like if we're assuming like the. The 1947, you know, we never see the person who takes it, but we hear the person and there's lots of like grunting and that kind of noise. And then like Mm -hmm. the female, because we never really get anything from the male. He's just found dead. He died like six months ago, apparently. But like the female, there's lots of grunting and like, you know, growl, not necessarily growls, but like that kind of like nonverbal, like animalistic kind of like kind of stuff going on. Like very like how you would portray a caveman in a movie. Like it. Whereas this girl who apparently was born in the woods and has no socialization. Well, aside from, you know, with her, obviously her, we're assuming her two parents, but like, there's no, there's no sense of like the animal in her. She just looks like a kid who is like, dressed up for halloween looking out of a cave and it's got like yeah, some sludge and i felt that way about the woman too like she didn't look like i don't know yeah i just feel like she just looked like a woman who needed to wash her hair and like take a shower well i mean i guess if you lived in the woods that's how you would look though but right I, and but that's just, totally fine but i just mean there was nothing about her that was like like yeah she swiped at molder but like she you know I, I don't know it just to me it just didn't quite Whatever they were trying to do, it didn't work for me because it just didn't, the pieces didn't connect right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's different, yeah. So, yeah, three. We'll go with three. <laughs> so, a double three. Oh, my God. Point. So, we gave it the same rating. Is that the first yeah. time? No, because we both gave Pilot a nine. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. So, I guess that ends our discussion of Jersey Devil. I bet I know what you used to research. Uh, I can't imagine you could guess. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously the truth is out there by Brian Lowry, which is my favorite book. I have a copy coming. Oh, it's cool. Not, but it's like not coming like till the middle of next week. Mine is week signed. After. Mine is signed by several uh, people from yeah, the X-Files convention that I went to. We'll save who maybe for when, we for get when to they show ep- up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, I think it's a little ways away. Are they um, in the same, are they in the same episode or are they in different episodes? They're in different episodes. Okay. Yeah. So we'll save. So we'll hold, we'll hold back. We'll do one at a time. Yeah. I'll talk okay. about the conventions as these people come up. I do need to talk about William B. Davis a little bit, but we'll do that when he has like a bigger scene and actually like speaks. He has not. The cigarette smoking man has not reappeared since the pilot. No, he hasn't. And I know he'll be back. I don't know when. So okay. 
We'll find out. I also looked at the unofficial X-Files companion by N.E. Gange. G-E-N-G-E. And that was mostly information about like the real Jersey Devil. And then On Location with the X-Files by Louisa Gradnitzer. How do you say that? Gradnitzer? I would say Gradnitzer. Yeah, so it's X marks a spot on location. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. You're right. Louisa Gradnitzer and Todd Pitson. Yeah, which you have that book also, so I'm sure yes. you also looked at it because I know stuff you said was stuff that I had read. Yes. <laughs> so what were your other sources? So my other source obviously was Wikipedia again, because like I looked I looked up Gregory Sierra. Right. To double check. I knew he was from Barney Miller, but then I had forgotten i I watched Sanford and Son as a kid, but I'd forgotten that he was on Sanford and Son. So he played Mamon's buddy, who Red Fox is always telling to go away. And then I also use so X marked the spot. And then I used the X-Files Declassified by Frank Lovesey, I think is how you say that. I found some different pronunciations for that name. So I'm going with Lovesey. So it's L-O-V-E-C-E. Although I will say that the X-Files Declassified did have an error for this episode. Because they state that Roger Crockett's corner department tag says August 9th of 1993. But if you look at the screen, it clearly says August 29th of 1993. Oh, no. He wrote it down wrong when he looked at the episode. Yeah, because the case number is <laughs> 2242. And then, like, I could see maybe where you might think that two was a zero because the loop on the two is a little bit larger. But when you compare it to the other twos that are written on there, you can clearly see that that is a two. It's just written quicker. So it's August 29th, which makes sense, though, because otherwise these episodes are out of order. Because we know Conduit took place, like he met with Kevin and put his binary file. He faxed that on August 26th. Right. So they had just gotten back from that so they case. basically just finished this case. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't know how long ago this case happened. I guess it wasn't too long ago because the dude was still on the table when they showed up in Atlantic City. So. Yeah, it couldn't have been that long. Yeah. So, but like when that maybe, and again, maybe that answers the question of what that tag is from. Is that tag when they think he died or is that the tag when they found him? That tag may be when they think he died and they didn't find him for a couple of days. Yeah. So it might be a couple of days later. Yeah. But basically, yeah, it's like maybe a few, a couple of days to a week after Conduit is when this episode supposedly is taking place. I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm thinking maybe they're just using whatever date it happens to be when they're making the props and stuff. I think so. I think that's probably I mean, there's an no, accurate guess. <laughs> yeah, nothing. I mean, I didn't do like heavy duty. I did like where I normally look for the production dates. It said that it was all NA. They didn't have the dates, and I didn't really go look anywhere else for the production dates. So I don't know when this was filmed, but I'm like based on previous experience, I'm thinking like this is probably filmed at like the end of August, beginning of September. So anyway. That's all, all right. folks. <laughs> so uh, next week, we're going to be watching Shadows, yeah. which I have zero memory of and no idea what it's about. So that'll be fun. <laughs> Funnily enough, I happened to look a page ahead in one of my books, and you mentioned ghosts when we were talking about Conduit. It's apparently about ghosts. <gasps> Yay, ghosts. Yeah. So Cool. Or, or something ghost adjacent. All right. Well, that'll which, be fun. Which kind of makes, I'm with Shadows. Like, 
kind of makes sense. Yeah, the title makes sense. I wasn't even yeah. sure what to think because shadows can be. Yeah, it could go any anything. Way. Like yeah, that it... could go any direction. But it is written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong, okay. and so I'm excited. All right, we'll save all that for like when we record the episode. Oh, I know. I'm just Jeez, I'm letting people Tor, you're know. Getting, you're getting too far ahead of the game. I'm here. letting people know what's happening next week so they can be prepared. Okay. <laughs> I don't know right. why they would prepare or how, but now yeah, they... because I mean, why should they be any different than <laughs> us? But uh... <laughs> all right, okay, so let's do our end credits, I guess. All right, cool. All right, I want to rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios. Episode production, editing, and mixing is by Lazy End Productions, and our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz and The Truth Is What We Make of It by The Agrarians. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review to help us improve the podcast and reach more listeners. Yes, please rate and review and let us know what you think. Yes, please. We'd love to hear from you and ratings and reviews really help. You can find us at anchor.fm slash I want to rewatch or wherever fine podcasts are found. Or simply head over to IWantToRewatch.com. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. We are at RewatchXFiles. And on Instagram, we're IWantToRewatch. You can also email us at IWantToRewatch at gmail.com. Or leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash IWantToRewatch. And just click on the message button. And you can always share this podcast with a friend. If you know someone who likes the X-Files or would like this podcast, go ahead and share it with them. And be sure to join us next time as we rewatch episode six shadows and try to figure out if the truth is still out there the truth is what we make of it So I was like, oh, did he like, were there extra words in there that I missed? Because it totally sounded like you said it was blush. And I'm like, he did not say it was blush. It had to be like blood. Like, oh, right. she's using blush. It's a, <laughs> it is a female. No, that's not what he said. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that would have been awful. I would have been so mad. <laughs>